The two Jills, a psychologist and psychic intuitive, reveal mind-blowing insights that turn psychology, self-help, and conscious teachings on their heads. Why? Because they work. Real help, sincere growth is here. Welcome to Sight. Hello. Hi, Jill. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. I'm really excited about our topic today. Um, We talk about this a lot, you and I. It's about beliefs. And beliefs are everywhere, and they really are not getting their due. I don't think we're paying enough attention to them. And I feel like today we can sort out a little bit what they're doing and maybe, as we like to say, go beyond belief a little bit also. So it's a, it's a great topic. And I think it's, honestly, I think it's a seminal topic. I do too. For this podcast in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. Jill, are you okay if we each offer our definition of beliefs just so that everybody can understand kind of what realm we're speaking of. Is that okay? Yeah, that's a great idea. Yes. Okay. So the way that I'm using the term beliefs is anything that you're operating, you are operating as fact or truth that can't be proven. Okay. So religious beliefs obviously fit in this context for me. Love and emotions can fit in this, in this realm. Um, There's a huge amount of items that we account for as fact and truth in our operating systems that are unprovable and maybe worthy of um, deeper kind of discernment and um, contemplation. Yes, I really like that. And I feel like my, my definition, I don't think differs from yours. I think okay. What I focus on a lot is is the operating, and you do too, but it's the the operating system. We run on beliefs, and we're not fully aware of that. We think we run on logic and knowledge and truth and provability and fact, and that's not really the, the picture. It's really the beliefs that that kind of dictate our perception which dictate our emotions, which then dictate our actions. So they're really embedded in there. And we're not aware of, I would say, most of the things that we actually believe. And a lot of those beliefs may not even be ours. Mm, True. Yeah, health, um, things that are healthy or not healthy. even if it's based on science, science is changing. I think more than we as humans want it to be, right? I think of even in in our generation's lifetime, things about, okay, uh, eggs are healthy. Of course they're healthy. Oh wait, not the yolks, the yolks aren't healthy. Actually, the whites aren't healthy and the yolks have more nutritional value. Okay, now we're back to eggs. So there's just constantly this evolution of fact and evolution of truth. So that compounds it. So I don't, I don't think it's possible to get out of, out of operating a myth's belief, but it's super valuable to really give yourself more space beyond your brain to give yourself consideration and contemplation. Like I was saying about what is that belief, right? And it can be, it, 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 let's see, how do I want to put this? Our beliefs and what we are operating as truth affect us in so many ways, so many ways. So if that if that control room of beliefs is considered off limits to you, that no, 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 we don't get to question that. We don't get to question our, you know, what's true in terms of faith. We don't get to we don't get to question science, Jill. Well, scientists do. They're trained to, <laughs> right? So this. This sort of like, no, 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 you can't question that. That is so, uh, so sad. It's so disappointing to me because there are so many ways that we can give ourselves major upgrades by just giving ourselves rooms for doubt. And I have a strategy I should probably put at the end, but I want to put it here. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah start with the strategy. I like it. My my system, and I, I love to recommend it because it works so well, is 
once I've slowed down my thoughts, and we'll talk about that in a, I think another another episode. But our thoughts run so operate we operate so quickly and so in, in such an automated manner. But when I can slow my slow my rhythm down enough to even notice the thoughts, my my strategy is, but is that even true? Right. So I had a bug bite on a walk on my walk this morning, and I I don't know what it was. Anyway, I I felt this pain in the back of my leg, and I flicked it off, and. And then my mind started to go, well, was, was it this? What is that? And, oh, my God, you know, should I be watching for anaphylactic shock or something? <laughs> and I'm like, hold on. Is that even true? Right? Is it even true that this is any serious issue? Like, yeah, let's be aware. Let's continue the walk. And if there's symptoms, we'll head back home or we'll call one of my kids to come get me or whatever, an emergency situation. But I think we're good, right? I continued on with my multiple mile walk and I was fine. But anyway, I had to, I had to doubt myself. And that isn't a pattern a lot of people have in place. Yeah, I think it goes against what the brain is actually trying to do, right? The brain is looking for answers. The brain is a beautiful streamlining system, right? That is trying to drill down and get very specific. And once it lands there, it calls it comfort and it calls it truth. And it says, stay here. We're good here. So that creates unwittingly this inflexibility to move off of that comfort zone, right? Knowing something is a comfort zone and we're not that discerning on what, what comfort zone, what landing pad we choose a lot of times. And many of them, like I said before, are kind of just like a snowball going through your life, picking up beliefs all over the place from a random you know, snippet. This is how advertising works. Advertising literally knows how to implant a belief into your into your system, whether it's a healthy food or drink milk or who knows, you know, and so we're not doing a good job of updating that system. And to your point, you know, you've, you've said this, it's like this autopilot. When we create these belief systems, it forms an a literal operating system of how it interfaces in the world. And these beliefs just keep dictating our actions, which means we are not present. So if you are present, a rough word. Um, we're not discerning. We're not choosing. We're allowing the same reaction we had yesterday based on this belief to go again today. And that's what the autopilot is. That's why we feel so stuck sometimes and how things you know, the same shit, different day idea. It's a very repetitive um, program up there. Systems of, of programs that we have, right? Beautiful. What you were just talking about there regarding the the way that the brain can look for automation, because the brain is trying to do a lot of different things. And I think our temperaments dictate in some ways, or we are dictated by the way that our brains automate. I know some people that their brain is very much, no, 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 I've already, I've already worked through that. I don't want to work through that again. So the brain is trying to make it efficient. It's trying to save time. It's trying to save energy. Yeah. So in those systems, that's a, that's a system of, um, not fragility. Well, I guess it can cause fragility, but it's a system of inflexibility for sure. Right. Yeah. So I, I actually enjoy, and I think you and I are both really good at doing this. Yeah. We can, we can notice and, and observe in another person what their underlying beliefs are. Right. Yes. There's, there's somebody that I love listening to his podcast and he definitely operates from a framework, a belief of um, his favorite people are those that work really hard and sweat and, you know, really have had to sacrifice a lot of time and have had to work hard to get where they are. And I'm not opposed to that, but what about the natural kind of giftedness and flow that we have in things? Are those also not admirable and interesting, right? That didn't have to involve sacrifice and toil and trouble. <laughs> I agree. I think the brain though does like complicated problems. It does like to mm. gnaw on problems. It does. We do hold here, you know, a, a high regard and value for suffering, you know, that you get to where you want to go through suffering. And you and I talk about this a lot, how it's really a Judeo-Christian credo, right? That we're here to constantly better ourselves by flagellating ourselves a lot of times, because that's the way you get to where you want to go. 
And I, I reject that model. I a hundred percent reject that suffering creates mm. greatness, that suffering oh, has so to greatness. Um, we are, all it there. can, but it doesn't have to, it, that. I would, it doesn't have to. I would, you and I have, you and I have both traveled in, uh, in cultures and areas of the world that are, that are predominantly Muslim. I would say it's not just Judeo-Christian, Jill. <laughs> I, I would add that it's, there's atheists that I'm friends with and have in my audience that, that are very much of that belief. There's Muslim friends and, you know, such that I have that are also of this. So that belief is, is even beyond religion. It's yeah. just, it's just a belief and it fits. It does fit within those though, obviously in the Judeo-Christian story. I mean, that's, that's sure. a broad, it, because it's broad, <laughs> but you're a hundred percent correct. Look, it, you know, my husband yeah. talks about it in, in the job, you know, when my kids are just starting out in internships and they, they're getting people coffee and they're paying their dues. And I'm like, my thing is if you start out paying your dues, you will never stop paying your dues because people don't Ooh. understand how tricky and sticky these programs are. If the brain sort of allows this program to run, it always runs. And I have, I have a, you know, a client who I'm working with and she, you know, is, is now becoming a CEO of a company. And my, my thinking at the time was don't use this. You reached the top. Don't use this now to say, well, you know, I'm new in the job and I have to please the board and I have to please other people. And like, don't, you never arrive is what I'm saying. That there is a program, even if you are the top of the business, there can still run the program of there's more suffering to be done. There's more dues to be paid. There's more people pleasing to be, you know, meted out here. You're still putting yourself below something, which is a huge issue. That in terms of enjoyment, right? Because when does, and that's such a great example. Thank you for bringing it up. In her case, it's a woman, yes? Mm -hmm. In her case, when does she get to enjoy the fruits of her labor yeah. and all of the success that she has allowed, created, experienced, right? Yeah. So yes, and it's not that there's anything wrong with paying your dues. It's the way that the brain tricks someone into into pretending that, oh yeah, I know exactly how this goes because I'm paying my dues. And that's not, that's not a guaranteed success either. There is no guarantee for success. There is no formula for success, but a lot of people's brains, especially those that are striving for, especially career success or financial success, et cetera, their brains are part of the system of tricking and deceiving themselves into oversimplifying something that is very complicated. And in some ways there's a degree of, of uh, luck involved. And I, that's a belief system that some people will not, they do not want to believe in luck because they have no control over it. Yeah. I love luck. I think mm. luck is everywhere, but we're not paying mm. attention to it. You know, it's sort of like, I think everybody's mm. blessed. It's the same idea to me you know, that we're all, we're all blessed. It's just what your brain again, because of its programming and belief system chooses to look at it's glass half full, glass half empty, right? I mean, this is, you have to know that about yourself, but these beliefs are insidious, you know, they're really, they're, they're hard. And that's why I think you and I are, are so good at what we do is because we, we can see it. And in, in some ways, the best way to to, you know, see your beliefs is look at your behavior. Look at what you're actually doing. Forget about what you're thinking for a second and how you, you know, justified that behavior. Just look at it without the story behind it. Are you yelling at your kids? Are you being an animal at work, you know, and, and justifying that behavior? Like start looking at just your actions, not other people's actions, your actions. And then you take out the layer of, yeah, but I'm doing this because, which makes it okay. You take that out and then you can start to, you know, like you were saying before, slow things down a little bit and be discerning and kind of ask what belief is causing me to behave like that, right? Mm -hmm. And typically they're fear-based, right? If we're misbehaving, there's a fear-based fear belief there. Um, but Beliefs are not just fear-based, but if we're misbehaving, it is. So that's that's a hack that I... I like that. Yeah. 
That's beautiful because there is, there's a lot of belief that is revealed once we ask ourselves why. Yeah. So your system works really, really well. Why am I doing that? Right. And I love that. Not why am I thinking that? Why am I doing that? Why allowing yourself the freedom to examine your actions and why you are doing certain things a certain way, especially in areas of your life where you're feeling that there is some sort of missed potential or missed opportunity, or it's not fun, or it feels harder than it needs to be. It probably is harder than it needs yes. to be. Your, your statement about the, the brain really enjoying a hard problems. I'm, I'm not convinced that everybody's like that, but those of us with strong brains, oh, our brains at ma are literal masters yeah. at overcomplicating things. And at the same time, oversimplifying things. So it's a really interesting paradox. Maybe it is the brain saying, oh, this, this is so complicated, but I've simplified it for you. <laughs> yeah. It's like the brain saying that to the human. I've already simplified this for you because you can't right. handle it. So just don't go there anymore. I've already figured this the, out for you. Cliff notes. Keep you going. get the cliff notes. You don't even know the whole story that's behind exactly. it, right? Yes. And then when you layer on top of that, the way that your beliefs, um, create these automatic impressions of other people, yeah, right? Yeah. This, this podcaster that I was yeah. talking about, I can tell his favorite people are other people that work really hard or get up at 4am to get their, you know, their reps and their gym time in, or, you know, they've suffered in this way, or they suffer in that way. And they've done really hard things and really suffered because of it. I think those are his favorite people. And again, I get it. There's nothing wrong with it. There is a hero's journey kind of archetype in that. But I just, I love the idea that humans are naturally fantastic. Yes. We're naturally glorious at things that aren't, that didn't require years of effort, that didn't require, you know, years in a cave of, you know, self-awareness and, you know, whatever <laughs> trips or, you know, uh, I'm thinking of all the, trying to think of all these cliche type terms that didn't require any of that. You just showed up great in that way. And when you get out of your own way from your brain, because it up those, those, that type of natural greatness operates beyond your brain, beyond your training, right? So the brain regularly, and we talk about this in the brain episode, doesn't want to look at what it didn't help you with. So if you're naturally great at compassion, understanding, patience, identifying problems, problem solving, singing, whatever. The brain's like, yeah, I didn't help with that. That doesn't, that clearly isn't as important as these other things that I helped you. And we do allow the brain to suck the air out of that balloon. You know, a lot of times things happen above us, you know, in, in the higher layers of ourselves. And then we bring it back down to brain to analyze that stuff. And so a lot of our great ideas and our inspirations, you know, that when they get funneled through the brain, they just were like, why did I think that was a good idea? Why did I think that was ever going to happen? You know, there's a lot of poo-pooing that happens if we don't realize it's not a bad idea, right? If you have an inspiration, it's, I'm going to say, never a bad idea, right? But the brain can make anything onerous, difficult, and why bother, right? It can really take the wind out of our sails. That's and that's another thing to just to just kind of look out for. It's not a filter for, for your godliness. It's not That's a good so filter good. for that. That's so good. This, I'm so, this is one of the many reasons I'm so glad we're doing this podcast is because both of us have a unique yet really useful and novel approach to how we look at the functioning of the brain and how it can help us be our best self or get in the way of us being a better version of ourselves. On the topic of beyond beliefs, one controversial point I'll offer is that all beliefs, although many of them treated as sacred and as irrefutable, they're all human made. And that doesn't mean they weren't divinely inspired. But under the topic of beyond beliefs, all of them are worthy of some, you know, contemplation and discernment. And is that even true? Yeah. Right? There's a lot of stories that go along with these bringers of these, um, you know, these beliefs and how they were entered into humanity and how they were offered in this world. And there's, a, I think, a, a healthy amount of suspicion that can go in those. But within those, especially the religious yeah, belief questions. systems, we are 
there's pain involved for individuals that that doubt those stories and therefore doubt the beliefs, right? Because there's a whole chain of dominoes there that happens once you start um, making more human the any individual that was involved in bringing about those beliefs or seeding those beliefs or receiving through, you know, and I'm again, I'm not trying to diminish beliefs. I'm saying that when we can give ourselves more permission to discern our beliefs and more consciously choose our beliefs, it helps us be a better version of ourselves and it help us helps us avoid manipulation and suppression of that greatness that we were talking yeah. about. That is perfectly said, honestly. There is so much, I think, self-suppression going on because of the fear of questioning things, the fear of being ostracized for your questions. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a fear of, of being wrong. And, you know, the, the beliefs in a lot of ways, they, in a lot of ways, beliefs create our identity. We are a patchwork system of what we believe. That's why they're so, you know, fixed in a lot of ways. It's because we identify with them and we identify ourselves through them. And that's problematic, you know, and if we're not willing to, to sort of throw all the balls up in the air and just choose the ones that we want, um, we're going to end up, I have a lot of people say to me all the time, I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I just did that. There's a belief that you could look at. If you took the time to look at it, that's a really good on-ramp. You should know why you did that because you're going to do it again, right? That system Mm -hmm. keeps running until we stop it. Nobody else is stopping that that runaway train, if in fact it is a runaway train, you know, and it affects our relationships. And, you know, this is, this is a story. We are going to do a parenting thing, but this is such a good example um, that my son was, we were fighting every day about math when he was in middle school. And one day I understood that I could either keep fighting about math or have a relationship with my son. But those two things were not happening together. And I had to make a choice. One of them had to go. Oddly, a lot of people don't see that choice. And they keep kind of pushing ahead with the math because there's a belief there. At least what I saw was if he doesn't have the math, it's a compounding problem. It's going to last a long time. He's going to be behind forever. You know, there was a future focused situation, but I was sacrificing the present and my relationship with him. But then I started to ask, do I believe all those things? Do I believe he can't succeed without doing well in math? Do I believe that this is that important? Like, where did that come from? Right? And it came from when I was young, super young, right? I was never good at math myself. And so I just was like, I don't think I believe that. I don't think math is what I thought it was. And I chose to have a relationship with my son. I never spoke about math again. He just transferred to a really good school. He's doing great, but I never bothered with it. And if I didn't take the time to really look at, I could have one or the other. And why is this belief literally sabotaging? I'm allowing this belief to sabotage the relationship with my son. Beautiful, Jill. What a perfect example. And I'll offer because audience probably doesn't know we're talking about college. He got into a great college. (laughs) So this is, you know, from the past to the present, this is this, because it's almost like if I were to recharacterize what you what you said there, it was like, are you going to believe in math? Or are you going to believe in your son? Yeah. Right. And it's just it gives me chills just thinking about that way that it doesn't feel like that choice in the moment, but that's choice. that's our point exactly. It never these types of beliefs don't yeah. feel like a choice. They feel like no, you don't you don't have a choice here. You have to make sure he's good at something that in at least in those years or the way it was being taught, he's not he's not good at this, piece. right? And we don't have right. to be I'm sorry well, to interrupt, that, but sorry? you said it so perfectly. There's that wholeness no. piece that I thought he wouldn't be okay without math. 
right? That mm-hmm. is, that speaks against the, what we were talking about before is that we are amazing. Math doesn't make us amazing, right? And so this value, even of what we do with education and all that, there's a place for it. Okay, there's a place for it, but it is not the be all end all. And what you know is beyond your education, right? Your, yeah, I mean, it's beyond. It's complicated, right? And for those that are, to stay on this topic of math, those that are naturally good at math or get for somehow, somehow they get the right teacher or the right professor in college. It's like, wait, what did you just say? I had an economics professor use the, um, talk about the first derivative in mathematics and that, well, it's just the slope. It's the rate of change. I'm like, wait, what did you just say? I mean, I was good enough in math to get into a really advanced level of math my freshman year of college. And it was that junior year that I was like, how did I never know? Why did, why did I never get, or why didn't anyone ever tell me that really the first derivative in an equation is literally just the rate of change. It's just the slope. And I was like, oh my <laughs> what else did I miss? <laughs> what else, what else could have been easier? <laughs> had it been not overcomplicated and actually explained in a way that made sense versus just the mechanical steps so of mathematics. Anyway, oh my gosh. Because as we were thinking yeah. about, you know, doing this this podcast today, I was like, are all actions from beliefs? Beliefs can only create a reaction, right? It can only be a repetition. It can't be new, right? Is that, do you see it that way? Or is that... So try me another way, Joe. Let's see. Beliefs, I see them as programmed, right? They're sort of canned. They got in there somehow. And and just to our point, it doesn't matter how the belief got in there. But once we have a belief, it becomes a thought, an emotion, thought, emotion, and action. They all come together. And that action can't be action. It can only be reaction, right? Because mm. it's something that's that we already know and we operate under that rubric. And so we're not doing anything new if we're operating mm. from a pre-existing belief. I like that. That's fair because there's no, there's no room for creativity there, right? If it's a belief system that is dictating the thoughts, right? Because beliefs have a a really interesting way of doing that. I believe this. So this is true, right? There's just these, this immediacy of thoughts, responses, actions, et cetera. And there isn't um, any original sort of contemplation of, oh, I want to try it this way. or want to try it that way. There's very little liberated, you know, um, actions that come from that. That's totally fair. So it does, I like that. So it does in a, in a yeah, certain way make uh, beliefs limiting. Beliefs limit us. They don't have to. That's fair. Mm-hmm. But if you're not conscious of what you believe, then I would propose you're working from limitation. That's good. And this fits perfectly with what you're talking about here because Part, the other disadvantage of a lot of belief systems is that they they make the person not believe in themselves. They're supposed to believe in, in this bigger system that's beyond them at the expense of believing in themselves, their potential, their opportunities, um, their, I would say, inherent greatness or inherent giftedness or just what they're inherently good at um, that some other people aren't, right? So that 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 is automatically suppressive if you really take it to yeah, its, so it's to almost its like logical conclusion. There's a way to be here. And it's almost like the boxed, you know, you get your box delivered to your door every day. And that's the way that's the way you operate, right? So there is, we just take in all these yeah. beliefs that are given to us by our enculturation, our domestication, or whatever you call it, right? We just take that all in and that becomes the box, the operating system. But there is another option here right, is look at that box. And everybody talks about getting outside the box, but they don't realize the box is their belief systems, right? And 
And so there's, we can operate that way, or we can say, I know what my beliefs, and this I do a lot, like I know what my brain is saying to do right now. I know what my brain is saying this is. I know what my brain is saying how to behave. And then I'm not going to do any of that. That's the way you step off the ride. And so as an example, and I hope I didn't give this example at another time, <laughs> but it's a good one either way, and it's coming again. So there's, there's a time my son is able to um, really push ahead when he wants something. He's able to just drill down and, and weaken me, right? So he got on a call one day with me, and something he said started to spark this reaction in me. And I was like, you know what? I know what's going to happen here. I've been here before. I'm going to yell at him. We're going to get into a fight. It's not going to go well. So in that moment, I had enough of the slowdown of the pause to be present in that moment. And I said to my son, you know what? You just said something. It definitely hit a nerve. And I'm going to get off the phone and we'll, we'll table this for a minute. We'll talk about it later. The minute I did something different, which was step away from that belief that I was right and I had to teach him a lesson and I had to you know, whatever I had to do at that moment, which was an autopilot reactive response, the minute I decided I'm not going to do that, everything that I was, you know, the whole body, because I was riled and I was like, yeah, but everything just dissipated. It literally disappeared. There was no, I have to call him back now that I'm calm and teach him a lesson. It almost like the whole problem just disappeared. Nothing needed to be done. And I think that's, we're overcompensating in a lot of ways for our belief systems, which means I have to fix the mistake that I made because of my belief system. And then we go and apologize for what we did. You know, like there's just this constant making a mess and fixing a mess. But the mess is coming from the belief system. Oh, so good. Right? Not the other person. It's coming from you. And it can be changed right here. They don't need to change right. at all. Not at all. That's so good. I, I love this. And I, I sense some people will be confused maybe a little bit that we're using the term beliefs mm -hmm. in, this in this context because they keep thinking of beliefs yeah. in a faith-based context. But I love that we're using it in this way because if we, if, and I welcome anyone to look up the definition of belief. It doesn't have to be faith-based. And when you look at it in this more general way, then you're going to have even more tools to really re-examine difficult relationships or difficult situations in your life and give yourself more freedom and more creativity to re-examine you in that moment because oh we God, are more yeah. than our beliefs, right? And for so many individuals, they... They are just so much of their identity is based on these things that they feel are fixed and unchangeable. And again, this is not, I mean, I was not raised, raised in a religious household, right? We didn't go to church every Sunday. I didn't have any, you know, book being jammed on my, you know, my throat or, you know, yeah. like, remember this, Jill, I didn't have that, right? And yet there's always opportunities throughout our years, throughout our lives to be operating unknowingly these non-factual um, ideas that shape and frame so much of what we do and so much of who and what we are, right? You've given great examples and I'm trying to come up with a good one. They don't, they don't feel as good as yours, but I, I guess I'll do this. Um, I tried, and I think yeah. beliefs are something you should try on and experiment um, and really, and really test. It is an experiment on, is this allowing me to be a better me? Right. Cause ideally since you, uh, since all beliefs are, are yeah. human made, I don't want to say made up because I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but we make up good ideas too. Right. Um, again, there are divinely inspired ideas in my, in my belief system. Um, anyway, so if they're all made yes, up, then yes, pick a good I one. Love that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so I was trying on the belief system that your thoughts create your reality, right? That's a very popular one in personal development and, you know, fits in the law of attraction. I didn't study the law of attraction, but I 
I was kind of curious and I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. Your, yeah, your thoughts create your reality. Okay, so definitely you want to be positive. And then we were on a private charter um, sailing vessel in Puerto Vallarta on vacation. My parents were there, Jeff and I were there, and our daughters were probably like eight and 11 at that point. And we're out looking for dolphins. <laughs> that was our, that was our quest. The, the guys operating the boat knew that. So we were just out in the wild way, probably eight miles off the shore looking for dolphins. And we, we came upon a huge pod and the only ones that wanted to jump in and be with the dolphins were my eight year old and I. So we got on our life jackets and jumped in or she already had a hers on. Anyway, I got one on too, just cause it was cold. <laughs> anyway, we jumped in and she, you know, this kind of wavy, we're quite a ways out there. And she kind of, she, I kind of see her little head, her little eight year old head kind of bobbing up a little bit going, mommy, are there sharks out here? It was so good. And I was just like, and I was like, and then I ran right into that belief system of, okay, she just thought about sharks. <laughs> and now she has invited me in to think about sharks. So if we're thinking about sharks, are we going to bring sharks yeah. into the situation? This didn't sound fun. And I was just like, I was like, you know, they could be, but I feel safe. Do you feel safe? And she, yeah. I mean, we were, we're always in the water. Right. And she goes, yeah, I feel safe. Yeah, that's and I said, Good, let's see if we can see those dolphins. Well, I it was a perfect, it's, it was so liberating. It was like, and I never thought about your thoughts. It's not that your thoughts don't, don't affect you, but the idea that they create your reality, well, I think it's a really, really sad idea that misleads a lot of people. The reason that I say, mm. say thoughts create your reality is because you, when you understand how the brain works, right? You set the brain, you decide what the brain takes in. So if you have a preconception about something, you are, you, you unknowingly are setting your brain to look for confirmation of what you already believe, right? That's why beliefs can be so limiting. And so, you know, why people can't see to the right or left. It's because the brain can't take in or won't take in non-confirming data. And so in that way, what you believe is true for you and everything out there because you've, you know, limited your, your perception, it gets validated. So in that way, so it's not like it creates your yeah. reality, but it, it reinforces what you already believe to be reality, what you already believe mm. to be true. That's what the issue is for me. So there is an element yeah. of truth to it, but again, it got taken off in the wrong direction where we've become afraid of our thoughts. I mean, this is a huge problem for psychologists, mm -hmm. right? That whatever going on up here is unknown to us and scary and our control, right? Uncontrollable. So it's a huge problem that stems yeah. from what you're saying. Our thoughts create our reality. Mm -hmm. This is a reality. This is an ancillary problem that that idea kind of creates is that yeah. fear thought. Yep. It's crazy. It's a crazy yeah. Versus, yes. I think if I had the opportunity to rewrite the line um, as an editor, almost like instead of our thoughts, create our reality, your thoughts are affecting yes. your experience yeah. with your reality. And you have a choice in that matter, right? So I wasn't, I wasn't limited in that moment, but I did notice it. And yeah. then I creatively, right. You know, offered another experience to myself and to her. Um, in a respectful, liberated way, right? You know, getting mad at Georgia for thinking about sharks in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't, that didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> like, no, Georgia, don't say that. Take it back quick. <laughs> that just would have been ridiculous, right? The other place that I see the, the belief system, um, mm. is about justice, right? So a belief system about, about justice or karma, um, in my work, I do come across individuals that have had really 
you know, unfortunate, tragic things happen to them, experiences that they've had, and they're trying to make sense of it. And they're trying to, I, I think a lot of, I find a lot of individuals yeah. go uh, belief hunting, belief shopping in those, in those situations because their present beliefs aren't helping them. They recognize that they're trying to find another one. Um, but again, a lot of these really well orchestrated belief systems, I don't think are mean, I don't think they're badly intended. I just think that we deserve better than what a lot of them are offering. And that's why I want to give individuals more of their own um, authority over like, is that serving me? Is that helping me be a better version of me? And is it helping me bring out the best? I spent a lot of time as well. early on in this doing authority. exactly that. Like if I caught a limitation in the belief, not, I don't want to say caught it. I looked for the limitation in the belief, right? Because once I knew there was a limit, hmm. a limitation in it, I was willing to let it go. Because I think, to your point, you only choose the ones that serve you. So even if there's a, I believe, I used to ask parents a lot of times when I was working with their children who had anxiety, et cetera, I would say, do you believe your child can heal? Because I really understood that if they don't believe this child could heal, they wouldn't see the progress which would not keep them in therapy, mm. right? So I needed to know, and then I would have to work with the parent to figure out where that came from, why they hold it, why they're holding on so tightly to it, because that's their kid, right? How much more limiting can that be? But it was gonna tie my hands and it was going to prevent, even if the daughter made a change, they wouldn't see it. Right. And a lot of times the kids come to us, mm -hmm. they're like, you always want me to do this, but you're not seeing everything else I'm doing because they're only looking at one thing. And again, I know I'm going on the parenting mm -hmm. thing. I have a lot of, ex a lot of examples of parenting, but. Yeah. yeah. Well, that'll be a theme definitely in this whole podcast because it's such a big part, how we were parented and how those of us that are parents are parenting it. So look it's, for the it's affected by all of this. Definitely I look love for the limitation that because giving. that should tell you right there, yep. it's for the trash bin. Right? Anything that puts you down. Yeah. Yep, that's good. So that was a good strategy. Yep. And then I guess another strategy I'd offer to people is where is my authority in this, right? If there's something you feel compelled to do that you don't like yourself while you're doing that, or even while you're thinking that this is, I think I would offer that people do, you know, slow down their thoughts and, and examine your own thoughts. And then if you ask yourself, where is my authority in this, right? Um, I know a lot of, uh, yeah. I want to say they call themselves recovering Catholics, <laughs> that they have a lot, there's a lot of guilt and shame and repression and suppression of, of definitely, you know, God's glory in, in, and I do believe in God that I'll, I'll not, I use that term. I've tried other terms. I didn't like them as well, but I do believe in higher power. And I work with atheists all the time that are friends and clients. And because I am not attached it, any, any version of greatness, I don't care what you think it is from. Um, it doesn't matter to me what you call it, but this, their thoughts, there's no room for what if that's not true? There's no, there's no authority there. There's no creativity there. Um, the other strategy that I know works really well, Joe, when I'm sort of examining my, and uh, discovering my own and a limiting belief or a limiting idea, I, I love, I always wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, I have my own story about why I didn't do that. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, very comfortable arguing and looking for logic and pointing out flaws and logic and all those things. So I put my own thoughts that I'm a little bit curious about. That they're not that strong and not that logical. I put yeah. my thoughts on the witness stand. <laughs> That's my visual. I know. Talk about overcomplicating, but there's, there's a method to this. <laughs> there's, there's an outcome to this. If I can ask my thoughts, these questions like, but is that even true? Right. How do we know that's true? What if it isn't true? Right. There's a whole range of freedom beyond that belief that happens there. And I enjoy that process. I feel more freedom and less limitation from 
either bad ideas or ideas that one point felt great, but now yeah. all of a sudden it's like this maybe this isn't such a great idea. <laughs> and maybe it never was, and that's or it actually was for a while, well, but it isn't because anymore. I think you know, that's a sort lot of, thing. of this stuff, not all of it, but it served us once. You know, it was it was beneficial once. You know, we don't have a lot of sovereignty when we're young, right? So we kind of just have to please the people around us, adopt their views, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever, just to get by, right? That's a strategy. But there does have to come a point, or hopefully there does come a point in life where you could say, that was then, this is now. Update this data bank. Really just question all of all of your thinking and ask yourself to your, you know, like you're saying, is this my belief? Where did this come from? That came from my teacher in third grade. Why am I still holding on to that? Even if it's a view about yourself, yeah. right? Like a lot of people are holding yeah. on to versions of themselves that is like, you know, if they were overweight when they were young, they still feel like that as an older person. It's so incredible, you know, how these things just don't get cleared out of the data bank. And we've made them the reason why they don't get cleared out sadly is because we've made them into identities which makes them sort of characterological it doesn't make them just like whoops that got in there when i was seven time to sweep the floor right and you and i i think both have this you know it's not that we're not compassionate but these things are not emotional Cleaning out your computer is not an emotional experience, mm -hmm. right? If you have something in there that's not working, you get rid of it. It's, it, it couldn't be more logical and less emotional, right? And so sometimes, and more self-loving. And so sometimes when people are say to me, you know, Jill, it's just not that easy. I'm like, there's a whole belief system that, that's operating, that's dictating that. I'm saying jump the rail and just come over here. You could always jump back, but just jump here for a minute and, and, and try this out, right? Because mm -hmm. when I realized, you know, that there was nothing wrong with me, I mean, that was a day, right? And when I work with people, and I know you do this too, it's, if they come to me, whatever they say, you know, that they have anxiety or they have depression or they, and you no, know, they say I'm anxious and I'm depressed. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're fine. You have a thought system that's operating an anxious program or a depressed program that has nothing to do with you. I mean, zero, right? So we create this kind of separation. And then when you can separate from it, you can work with it, right? Because it, it's now no longer a part of you. It's now something that's over there. And I'm like, oh, look at the depression. It's not mine, but I see it. And there can be so much more objectivity around it when it's not your core identity, right? Identity. Yeah. Oh, Jill, it's so good. Because it, at the... At the end of the day, at the, at the beginning and the middle of the day, we are the operator of our beliefs. We are not our beliefs. And whatever we are operating is such a, a great control knob. It's a wonderful source of and um, entry point for feeling free from limiting beliefs and suppressive beliefs and suppressive ideology, giving you more room to explore and experiment yeah. with other ways you could also be, right? Um, but they are they are in there. So I guess that would be another strategy I'd offer people is, for the example of the ex-Catholic, they, those ideas are in there and they may yeah. never go away, right? So don't ask them to, right? They're gonna be in there. And that just because they're in there doesn't have to mean that's a problem, right? Because you can add new ideas. You can experiment with new beliefs of who and what you are and that you are more even than an ex-Catholic, right? So then any sort of self-limitation that you feel or, oh, it's harder for me because whatever, that's a great statement for everyone to write down. It's harder for me because, right? And whatever is yeah. there, then you can ask yourself, is that even true? Is that even, and, and do you want it to be true? I'll say this in front of my family all the time. Is that even true? And do I want that to be true? 
Yes. And they kind of look at me like, oh my God, what is she doing now? <laughs> you know what I mean? But then I'm just, I'm giving myself space yeah. in my own energy field for and rumination, right? Of, hmm, yeah. you know what I mean? The space hmm, let, me, let, is, me, let me play with this a little it. bit, right? The space is yeah. the hardest and, thing to, space oh, by space huge. we mean, we know there's a program there. Yeah. I'm going to pause it for a minute, right? And create this opening where nothing's filling it. No automatic response, thought, emotion, action is mm -hmm. filling the space. And when you do that, something new can happen. And I do say a lot of times that even just that pause starts the reprogramming because the original program does not have that pause in it. So even just inserting a pause is rewriting the program and you won't know how it gets rewritten but you'll see it pop up. You'll just see it pop up. You're like, oh, that's different. Oh, that's different. It's really, it's magical, right? I mean, it's, it's exciting. It's interesting. And we, we are denying ourselves a lot of that, you know, by really staying in the lanes, you know, of, of these belief systems. Um, there's, there's no reason to not play here with your beliefs. Beliefs are always just your best guess or someone else's best guess. They're there to be updatable. I don't know how they ever got so fixed. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know how I... It doesn't matter at all. In a way, it doesn't matter. In a way, it doesn't matter how we got here, right? Because to me, that's just a... I don't, I don't think it is as important to understand how we got to where we are. Um, and we talk about this in another episode about memories and the fallibility of human memory and all these things and what a, what a trail to nowhere that can be. We don't need to know how we got here. But if you can understand your choices from where you are and that they are wider than your current operating system, your current beliefs are offering you, then you can get beyond the brain and beyond the beliefs into a wider range of view where you can start demonstrating and utilizing more of your authority, more of your creativity, and all of that. But we, because we don't have authority over ever, other people, we have authority over and ourselves. And I think the, though, the reason, more so just than to we've probably like been realizing, drill down the point of what you're saying. The reason we don't realize that we have it is because the beliefs are in the way, right? So we don't realize that we have authority because we don't have a belief that we <laughs> have authority, right? That doesn't exist. So in a lot, a lot of times, you know, we end up overcompensating for our beliefs with bravado, with, you know, s pendulum swinging the other way. You know, I did this before and I'm going to do this now. And then you're going to swing back because you've never really examined the belief. You're just flip-flopping within it, right? So it is important to not go mm -hmm. right to the sovereignty piece, yep. right? Without doing the work of figuring out what's keeping you from being sovereign because you can't impose sovereignty over this hmm. system we're, we're talking about. Like that's limiting beliefs. Who doesn't work. Yeah. That's a great point. Yep. Yeah, that's good. Related to let's see, let me see about this here. So to be clear, I feel like we're both saying that humanity would be better off and humans would be better off if we gave ourselves more authority to re-examine beliefs that are in the context of any uh, religious, science, self-identity, um, other sorts of like, this is true and I can't question that, that automatically is anything you can't question or that you've been operating as true without ever doubting or, or thinking about it for yourself, especially as an yeah, adult, that's, that's, on, that's what we're talking about. That's what's on the table. That's what's on the table. And it may sound overwhelming to people. This, this is a beginning of a process, right? And again, the first thing I'd remind you of is you are not your beliefs, right? Because there's, there's a ton of uncertainty and maybe anxiety that comes up for people of, wait, she's saying like, and right. none, none of it's true. It's all made up. Ah, you know, it just causes this panic. Wait, 
you are the operator of those beliefs. You've, you've been operating all the time. It's just that you've been operating those beliefs. You can operate any belief. You can operate any idea. You can believe that, that God loves everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you can believe that science is fallible. <laughs> you can believe that the most a beautiful, fun-loving person you've ever known yes. also has a side to them that's shady and shitty. You can also believe that someone you you would never like would never take seriously because they're a bad person, they're a bad guy, they're a bad woman, that they actually have a good side. And there's probably somebody in the world that loves them and knows that good side. And maybe you so haven't bad. seen it yeah. or somebody else hasn't seen it. You see what I'm saying? There's so many versions of this that can be helpful because it requires energy to it, make yes, someone exactly. into something they're not. Yeah including you, right? The the energy of, well, that's the bad guy. I have to remember they're the bad guy. Yes, they're the bad guy. It requires energy to maintain a story that doesn't, that needs, how do I want to put this? Mm -hmm. When there is something that doesn't have merit on its own, it requires the human to operate it, right? So it's like busily kind of consuming and making this energy to make that true. Think about this in relationships where there is somebody that the two are just, they're just not a good match, but there's all of this belief system of, but no, they love me. And, and remember when they did this or when they said that. So there's a lot of energy being consumed, trying to create the story that that person loves them and in a healthy way and that you should stay together. Right. When it doesn't, it doesn't matter in a way, if you think someone loves you, if they make you feel shitty about yourself or if they're holding you back or you you're letting them hold you back. I don't know how you want to put that, but there's a lot of dissection there. But if, if you're, if love is an excuse for it's staying with somebody and I'm that so you glad you brought today, up what it does to us because our beliefs often have us twisting ourselves into a pretzel because we don't realize it's the belief that's operating there. And so we just, without understanding the system, we think something's wrong with us and I have to eat a lot of crow or suck up a lot of stuff, right? We don't realize we could just oust the belief system that's holding that in place, but instead we contort ourselves. And our beliefs do, I, I mean, a pretty giant portion of them. I would go out on a limb more than you would and being like, I'm gonna say 99.9% .9 of them make us feel not great about ourselves. I think it's really that high because I think the other stuff that you're talking about mm. is are not beliefs. I think those are beliefs that we, that we use to serve us, but in a weird way, they're there to take up space. We don't really need them. We don't really need the good beliefs if we get rid of the garbage because when everything else falls away, when all the garbage that we think we are, okay. you know, people think they're going to disintegrate if they, if we start ripping their identity and their beliefs apart. But in truth, only the outer shell cracks and what's left without all that is you, you're left. It's all this other stuff. That's not you that you've been calling you, which takes so much energy as you've just said to maintain right? If you have a belief that you're not a great person, you're going to spend your whole time trying to be great to people. It's exhausting, right? You never get to choose. Like, I don't really like that person, but I don't want them to think I'm not nice. I'm a nice person. Yeah. And we go and we do strange things to people who don't do it, frankly. Yeah. And, and so we're maintaining yes. this image of ourselves, which is a belief about ourselves, which is exhausting and depleting us. And it is standing directly in the mm -hmm. way of our sovereignty, which just means I get to choose. I get to actually say what I want rather than just the scraps that were kind of given to me. Yeah. I thought of another example. There, um, and this is not related to children or parenting, and so it may be more relatable to some people, I had horrible childhood asthma when I was a kid. Um, we lived in Minnesota and thank God the Mayo Clinic was closed. So I think I actually did get like really top quality care for how to operate amidst asthma. 
And then my family moved to Idaho when I was 13 with one of the main reasons being it's dry here because the doctor was suspecting that the humidity was part of the issue. Um, so we would travel out here and kind of like experiment and be like, okay, yeah, Jill, how you doing over there? Did you need your inhaler today? That kind of stuff. And we're like, okay, checks that box. Anyway, my family moved when I was 13 and I had 13 years of having this whole like, okay, Jill and PE class, we're going to run yeah. today. So you just get to sit there because no one wanted me to have an asthma attack. Right. Um, so yeah, I skied, but that was winter. Everything that exacerbated my asthma in the winter was dead. <laughs> it was dormant in the winter in Minnesota. So it wasn't that I wasn't active. It wasn't that I was, but I, I was just not a physically, I don't have the sports kind of background in my life. And I was, I think 18, I think I was still in high school. I may have already graduated from high school. And all of a sudden I was like, I want, I just wanted to join a gym. I wanted to do yoga. I wanted to, you know, try these other things. I like why I wouldn't have thought I could do yoga. Oh, it was just silly. So anyway, I didn't like yoga. That's not for me. <laughs> it's not my, not my thing. Pilates is good. Yoga, yoga, I don't like. Anyway, but I ended up over the course of the next nine years where I could do a spinning, I could actually do spin, two spinning classes in a row and like working my ass off, my cardiovascular system, so happy about the opportunity, but I, I had a belief in my head of things I couldn't do because of whatever, right? And it's not, they weren't wrong. They were right at the time, but they weren't true anymore. But I, I wanted, and I did, I didn't need to, but I chose to re-examine what I'm capable of in my That's body awesome. suit. That is awesome. And it was, it, it was still perfect. feels amazing. No, it's not. It's Right. It's, it's, such, it seems like such realize. a silly example, These but are just, what are you capable of that you don't even realize? <laughs> we're not saying everybody's, you know, should have known this, right? This is not common knowledge or understanding. We hope we're offering mm -hmm. something to you that is liberating and flexible and new, right? And certainly not in the realm of, you mean you didn't know this? Like Jill and I are amazed, you know, right? That a lot of times we're talking about things that, yes, they're very simple and they seem super obvious, but they're not, right? There's, there's something there that if you just do the words, if you just listen mm -hmm. to the words, you're like, I know what a belief is. I know what this is. I know what that was. And the brain can be very dismissive of it, but this is simple and subtle and in a weird way under your brain's radar. Right. Because the brain is not looking at itself. We're asking you to look at what the brain is doing. Open it up. Look under the hood. Let's start paying attention. Nobody does this in this disconnected, you know, just conversational way. These things may happen in therapy, um, but that's that's a dicey situation sometimes, you know, that, that you know, it's. This is not about anybody doing anything wrong, right? This is just really about, there's another layer here that people probably don't understand that is responsible for 100% of your behavior, right? 99.9% .9 of your behavior, unless you're waking up and saying, like I did with my son, like, wait, wait, I know, what, I know where this is going to go. This isn't going to go well. Um, so unless you're jump actively jumping ship, you're working from these systems, this, this software that just gets in there. And to, like Jill says, we don't care how it got in there. That's not, we just deal with the belief as it as it presents. And we're like, do you want it? Do you not want it? Let's get rid of it. What, what do we do? Right. It's pretty cash, pretty cash. Yes. I love how you said that. And yeah, that's good because for, I think, and we talk about this in another episode, the brain wants to be right. So this whole topic of being beyond your beliefs can be threatening to the brain of, wait a minute, this, are we going to find out we were wrong about really big things? It's not about that. It's not about like, I love that you introduced this, the, the idea of blame here. This isn't about blame. This isn't about fault. This isn't about not being smart or being smart. It isn't about that. Yes. This, who well cares said, who was wrong like about it. it if you have a better you right? Know, so the takeaway <laughs> is, look, beliefs are what you believe is true for you. Doesn't make it true. 
but it's true for you. And that is malleable. That can change. Yes. And it's fun when it changes. It feels like yes. Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever. It feels like a holiday, right? It just feels so, it, it presents physically, right? I mean, you feel it. There is just a, oh, I don't know, a weightlessness to it, right? An unburdening in a way. It's beautiful. And it can be disorienting. I'm not going to lie. It takes um, some practice to reconsider that you aren't your beliefs, right? You are the operator of your beliefs. That's That alone can be very calming and soothing to the parts of self that might be highly disoriented yeah. or confused by even the process of re-examining your beliefs. Um, it is, this is a non, yeah. this is a very unconventional approach that you and I are offering, Jill. Um, I think that's one of the reasons I hope where people find the benefit in this. Right. And I love that you <laughs> right. mention to people, if they're like, there's nothing new, that, here, then you're right, not listening. That's the perception piece. Okay. Your brain I, I is promise you, then you're not listening. Box that already, okay. You so know, if, your box that already exists, but it's over exactly. here. That's what we have. If your brain yeah, if your brain is the type that that wants to make wants to validate that it has everything correct, it is not looking for anything new. Okay? So if anyone didn't hear anything new here, yes. I encourage you to do the opposite of what you did. If you watch the video, then listen to the podcast. If you listen to the podcast, then watch the video, right? Um but you by re-experiencing something that is designed to be novel and liberating of you being your best you, you want to pay attention and you're probably going to hear things, a new thing yeah. every time you listen. That I love happens it. all it's the around. time with my work and Jill, I know we it does with you too. Get in touch with us. I think, you know, at a certain a point, here. we will tell people how to get in touch with us it. and be, be able to, you know, add. we're ready. Okay. So tell people how they can talk to us. Oh, we're ready. Jill, we're ready. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So just go to, and we're cheeky intentionally here, uh, psyched.wtf. Yes. Psyched.wtf. <laughs> and check it out. That's where you can, that's where you can interact with both of us. You can meet other people that are enjoying this experience and enjoying the materials here in the literal liberating and getting psyched about the you that you can be and have permission to be it. and the full authority. Thank you. Oh, I also want to add, I almost forgot. I, I'm not, I'm not good at this on the other stuff that I do. So I'll, I'll be all, I'll be all cheerleadery oh, here. If you enjoy this experience, could you find two people to share it with? Could you provide a rating? Could you hit like on it? Those things help other people find us. We are late in the podcast starting phase. There's a lot of podcasts out there right now and we are promoters of what works. So if you feel like this worked, in helping you maybe re-examine yourself in another way, et cetera. Thank you for helping us out.